Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. Now, here's the thing. If you don't believe in Jesus, I I want you to understand something. You don't really have God's presence. We all have common grace and God is omnipresent, so he's everywhere. But the reality is, is that he's not in you. He may be working on you to draw you unto him, but he is not with you as as a Christian would say. That as we call on him, his spirit comes to live with us, in us. And in that, he is really with us. But if you don't believe in Jesus, like you only are getting a, a very small portion of God's presence in your life that is actually available to you. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Throughout history, people have longed to understand what God's will is for their life. We often struggle with difficult questions and decisions related to our families, careers, our hopes and dreams, and our futures. Sometimes when faced with challenges and hardships in life, our faith can be tested and it becomes hard to understand what God wants us to do. Fortunately for us, the Bible offers many great lessons and encouragement to help us through these difficult times. One great example can be found in the life of Joseph. In this sermon series, we'll be examining the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis to uncover the main theme of God's faithfulness even when life doesn't go our way. Please enjoy the message. Over the last several weeks, we've been in a study of Joseph, and Joseph is not Jesus' father. Joseph is a man from the, from the book of Genesis in the Old Testament. And as we've been looking at Joseph's life, what we're finding is that he was a man who was able to remain faithful when life didn't go his way. He was able to remain faithful whenever his expectations for what he had hoped would happen didn't exactly happen the way that he thought that they should An example of that would be a man I've heard of recently named Olin Hendrickson. He was a minister here in the United States, but he had a heart to want to be a missionary in Africa. He had just this great heart to want to go to Kenya and Uganda and Zimbabwe, but his wife did not want to. She did not feel that same calling. Some of you can relate to that. Your husband's called to do something, your wife's called to do something, but you're not called to go there. Well, in this case, ours are generally minor examples. His was a rather large one that he wanted to be a missionary to Africa, and she wanted nothing to do with it. And so he pressed on her and he asked her questions and he did all the different things that he could do to try to get her to buy into being a missionary, but she still wouldn't do it. So he scheduled it as one last, he scheduled a trip as one last ditch effort to get her to decide to go to Africa. So they go to, they go to Zimbabwe, they do some tours and he's hoping that if she sees the people, if she sees the places that her heart will be broken for what they could be doing there that they're not doing. But as they went along on their tour and their journey, she just became more and more irritated with Africa. Like it didn't matter who she was around, she was annoyed. It didn't matter what she was eating, she didn't like it. It didn't matter where she went, she didn't want to be there. His last hope was really Victoria Falls, which is one of the most spectacular scenes that you can see in Africa. And he said, just wait until the last day. When we get to Victoria Falls, I think that you'll, your heart will change, your mind will change, you'll really want to be here. Well, sure enough, they get to Victoria Falls, and it was absolutely majestic. It was spectacular. And there at Victoria Falls is one of Olin's uh, heroes. 
growing up, a man named Randy Livingston, one of the greatest missionaries to ever go into Africa. But there's a statue of Randy Livingston next to uh, Victoria Falls. And the statue has him with his hand up to his forehead, seemingly looking at the countryside that he can take the gospel to. But as Olin stood there with his wife and they saw Victoria Falls to the side, and they saw the statue of Randy Livingston, he looks over at his wife and he says, can you imagine what it is that Randy Livingston is thinking right now as he's looking to the horizon? And his wife thinks about it for a moment and looks at him and says, yeah, I can't imagine what he's thinking right now. He's had it up to here with Africa and he's ready to get out. Now, I don't know if Randy Livingston really had it up to here with Africa, but I think like a lot of us, he probably did have it up to here with life in a lot of other ways. Because we all have expectations. We have expectations of, of maybe, maybe the marriage or expectations of some sort of career aspect or what we want to have happen with the kids or, or even smaller things with projects or events or other things that are going on. Lord knows we've all had expectations with the Denver Broncos. But then you have reality. And often reality is in a much different place than your expectation. And when it comes to that... That gap between the two is filled with one common emotion that we all seem to experience. And that emotion is disappointment. Because when we expect something to happen, when we expect our life to be in a certain place, when we expect someone to behave a certain way, and the reality is something different, really the only emotion that we can feel in that space is an emotion of, of disappointment. And disappointment is really one of the most powerful emotions that we can experience in life because it can have the tendency to control us, to consume us. If you're really disappointed, and you just think about whatever that is for you, if you're really disappointed, it can cause you to take less responsibility of your life. It can cause you to lose enthusiasm for what it is that you are doing. It can cause you to become discouraged, despondent, depressed even. And worst of all, if you're really disappointed and those expectations are seemingly never lining up with your reality, you might even turn from God. You, you might even walk away from your faith commitments because of something that happened, because of something that someone said, because of disappointment. And when we consider the life of Joseph, it's an incredible life. The things that he went through, things that would break me, they might even break you. He somehow stays faithful. He stayed faithful through the fact that he was the favorite son of his father, which is a good thing, except his brothers hated him for it. And so he goes from being the favorite son of a wealthy man to being sold off into slavery by his brothers to becoming a slave of one of Pharaoh's henchmen, his inner circle. And it's there that he's in slavery, but he has a choice. What is he going to do with the situation? How is he going to make the most of it? And he does that. He doesn't ask the question, why me? Why this? Why God? He says, what now? What now am I going to do with this? And this is as unimaginable as it is. He says, seemingly, how do I become the best slave that I can possibly be? And that's what he did. And he rose through the ranks of slavery. And he became this administrator next to this man named Potiphar, as he managed all of his property and all of the responsibilities that Potiphar had. Joseph was managing it all. And what did he get for his good behavior? What did he get for his integrity? 
Well, Potiphar's wife took notice of him. And she tried to seduce him. But he wouldn't give in. And so where does that get him? What does that get him? Well, in this case, it got him a false charge of rape. As if he attempted to rape her. And then Potiphar doesn't have a choice but to send him off to prison. He didn't take his life. He didn't execute him. But he ended up in jail. And so Joseph, for 10 years, has been living in a very challenging, difficult, disappointing situation. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope that this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we'd love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. Do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed at a local church. Because it's here that we met Jesus and he changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We would love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. And again, those Sunday service times are at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. Now let's get back to our program. Even Psalm 105 describes a little bit of it. It says this, God sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons. Till what he foretold came to pass. Till the word of the Lord proved true in him. That was his life. That was his struggle. That was his disappointment. And now we pick up in Genesis 39, beginning in verse, 11, verse 20 of this chapter. And we read on. But while Joseph was there in prison... The Lord was with him, which is a significant point that we have to make here. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever it was that he did. What we learn of in this, in this little passage that we just read is that God's presence really matters. God's presence in your life and my life, it really matters, especially if you're dealing with disappointment. And here's something that we learn from Joseph as to how we are to handle disappointment. And it's this, is that when disappointed, we need to recognize God's presence in your life, in our lives. Because presence matters. It matters a lot. Now here's the thing, if you don't believe in Jesus, I, I want you to understand something. You don't really have God's presence. You, we all have common grace and God is omnipresent, so he's everywhere. But the reality is, is that he's not in you. He may be working on you to draw you unto him, but he is not with you as, if a, as a Christian would say. That as we call on him, his spirit comes to live with us, in us. And in that, he is really with us. But if you don't believe in Jesus, 
Like you only are getting a, a very small portion of God's presence in your life that is actually available to you. And for those of us that are Christians, we should consider those areas of disappointment. Because often it's in those spaces of disappointment that we aren't experiencing God's presence the way that we could. Because God's presence is in the back seat. Yeah, he's with us. Yeah, he's in us. But he's in the back seat while we still have our hands on the steering wheel. And as long as we are in that position, in control, disappointment's gonna be a very common feeling in our lives. But his presence, when it is there, it can see us, it can see us through. We just have to call on him. Psalm 145 says this, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him. In truth, presence matters, especially if you're going through a challenging situation. Our family likes to walk through our neighborhood and look, through, look for wildlife. And, and where we live at, there's a good amount of it. So there's always deer to look at and bucks to see. Sometimes we'll see elk in the distance. We, we might even come across some turkeys. And there, there can even be bears around where we live at. One day, my wife and I were walking, and we noticed that there were some dogs barking and some people that were looking into this very uh, you know, tall, grassy area. And as we come up the road, we just look off to the side and we see a bear's head pop up over top of the tall grass. And, and I'm looking at this, and this is the first time I've ever seen a bear. And I look over there and I see the bear, he's looking at me. It was like seeing a celebrity, you know, except he, he could eat me. And so I'm, I'm looking at this bear and he's looking at us and we just kind of keep walking, walking, walking along. And as we're walking along, he stands up. The bear stood up on his hind legs, and he was, he was big, he was huge. He was way bigger than, than a gummy bear, big, big bear. So I'm looking over at this bear, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, we're not supposed to run away from the bear, we gotta walk backwards, which is weird to me, you know? It's kinda like you're teasing the bear. Like, come and get me, come and get me. You're kinda walking backwards doing that thing, and then we catch up with some people, and they start talking about bear spray, which I'd never heard of bear spray. Bear spray sounds like hairspray to me. I, I don't know anything about it. Like, what's the bear going to look good while he's eating me? Like, what, what's that all about? But my kids like to walk through the neighborhood, and we enjoy going on bear hunts. And, and my hope is, is that we really don't see them, or if we do see them, we see them really far away. But my presence with them helps that. Now, I don't really know why it helps, because I've seen bear go after each other, and though, there ain't nothing I can do about a bear, okay? I mean, I don't know what my kids are hoping I'm going to do, but uh, it might buy them some time, but that's about all I can offer. At any rate, we go for these bear hunts, and we look and we see, and usually we don't see any. It was inspired by, that habit of ours is inspired by a book that was written years ago, Going on a Bear Hunt. I'm sure some of you have read it. You've read it to your kids. We've read it hundreds of times in our home. But in the story, there's a family that goes through the tall grass and they go through this squelchy, squelchy, muddy area and they go through a river. They go through the dark woods. They go through a snowstorm. And then they finally find the bear and then they run back to their house as fast as they can because the bear is chasing them. But there's a common refrain in the book. And the common refrain is, you can't go over it. You can't go under it. You got to go through it. Often with disappointment, we want to go over it. We want to go under it. 
But God is leading us through it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wanted to be spared the fiery furnace. But God spared them in the fiery furnace. They didn't want to be in the furnace. They didn't want to be in the fire. But somehow, someway, God made them fireproof while they were in the fire. We often want to be spared those situations and those circumstances, but it just doesn't work like that. But what we do have with us is God's presence that he has promised to sustain us with. Isaiah 46 says this, Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. Even though you may have no hair, a full head of hair, you may have dark hair, you may have gray hair, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, I will sustain you. He says, I'm going to offer you your presence through this. And if you can allow me to be with you the way that I want to be with you, the way that I can be with you, then you will get through it. And you'll get through it better than you could ever possibly imagine. I will sustain you. I have made you. So he knows you. He knows me intricately. And in that, he knows how to see us through, to sustain us through, to rescue us through. That disappointment that we experience, he says, I will carry you, I will sustain you, I will rescue you because the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. And an extra measure of his presence in our lives is something that we can all benefit from as we deal with the disappointment that is common to us all. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. I hope that this message has been an encouragement to you. I know that it has been to others. You see, it is through the generous contributions of people like you that this ministry can thrive and get God's truth out into the world. I recently received a card from someone who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. They are encouraging and refreshing as we get the opportunity to hear biblically-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. And that is just one of several notes that we have received of those who appreciate the teaching here at Hope for the Day. If you'd like to become a partner of ours, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website at valleyviewcc.com. It's there that you can click on the Give tab, and then you can designate your gift to go to the Hope for the Day ministry. And we would love it if you would partner with us in this way, and I know many others would as well. If you are in the Denver metropolitan area, we wouldn't want you to just be a supporter of ours. We want you to attend one of our services in person to be a part of the experience that we have here at Valley View Christian Church. We offer three service times on Sunday at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And it's at each one of these services that we record the messages that you hear here on Hope for the Day. Now let's get back to today's broadcast. And so Joseph is going through quite a bit of disappointment. 
At the beginning of chapter 40, verse 1, sometime later, the cupbearer, the baker of the king of Egypt, offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. And so the, the, these two officials were meant to taste the food, to taste the drink, to make sure there wasn't any kind of poison in those items so that the king wouldn't be assassinated. The Pharaoh wouldn't be assassinated. But apparently there was some type of something that happened. Probably some type of an assassination attempt. And they're in trouble for it. But you see here how God's providence is working through this. And he has placed these two officials with Joseph. And as they are together, and because Joseph has been so faithful, for really over a decade at this point, even in the midst of the disappointment, not asking, why me, why us, why this, why now? He's saying, what now? What all am I going to do about this? And he's continually acknowledging and inviting God's presence into the midst of it. And he's faithful. And we see it all starting to come together. He doesn't know it. He doesn't see it. But it is happening. So the captain of the guard assigned them these two officials to Joseph, and he attended them. And after they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. And when Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. Man, can you believe that? He saw the sadness. He saw the emotion. And somehow, somewhere in the midst of it, he had a sensitivity to what was going on with them. Just to think about the worst possible situation you could be dealing with. You know, he's, a, he's again, he's a prisoner. He's been a slave. He had shackles around his feet, iron around his neck, been completely betrayed and left abandoned by his family. It couldn't get any worse than this. You know what happens often with us whenever we start to deal with situations like that? What happens with me when I deal with situations like that is I start to focus on myself. And you get into that negative spiral thought loop that causes us to just think about ourselves. But not Joseph. One of the greatest ways that we can work through our disappointment is to have a sensitivity and a service to others. Can you imagine that one of the greatest ways that maybe you could work through your expectation being high, your reality being low, and dealing with the disappointment in between is to actually care about others. When we're disappointed, we need to maintain that sensitivity and that service to others. There's a noted psychologist, Martin Seligman, professor at a prominent university. He wrote a book entitled Authentic Happiness. Like, how do you have authentic happiness? whenever you're dealing with stuff. So he wrote this book, Authentic Happiness, and it's based on experiments and studies that he did with his students. And one of the particular studies that he did with classes of his is he performed an experiment. He said, this week, I want you to go out and do something that's completely selfish. Fulfill your greatest desire. You know, watch a movie, hang out with friends, eat a hot fudge sundae, whatever it is. Just go out and do that thing. And document how you feel. 
Document how it is that 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 experience was and how long that emotion lasts. So they come back, they give them those results. And then he says, now I want you to go out this week and I want you to do something that's very selfless. I want you to help maybe fulfill somebody else's desire. I want you to serve someone else. I want you to do something that's completely altruistic. I want you to do something that you can receive no benefit from. Document your feelings. Answer these few questions I give you just like we did with the other one. And come back and share your results with me. Just living in the moment of disappointment. Go help somebody else and tell me how you feel about it. This is what he says. As a conclusion, the results were life-changing. The afterglow of the pleasurable activity, hanging out with friends, watching a movie, eating a hot fudge sundae, whatever it was, paled in comparison with the effects of one act of love and compassion. He found that when people were less self-absorbed, less, less self-centered, they actually experienced less disappointment. That the thing you selfishly desire, and I selfishly desire so much of in our life, which is generally our desires being met and us having a good feeling about things, is ironically satisfied when we pay less attention to satisfying those desires and those impulses within us. And Martin Seligman didn't create this. Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday? And if you're here in the Denver metropolitan area, we'd love to have you attend one of our Sunday services at Valley View Christian Church. We have Sunday service times at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And we'd love to have you come and attend one of those services and be with us. And I, Pastor Philip Holland, would love to meet you in person. And also remember that the Hope for the Day broadcast is available on your favorite podcast provider. So we look forward to having you again with us on Hope for the Day.